Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Stephen. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we are excited to welcome Adam Huffield. Adam is a senior lecturer in the departments of nutrition science and health and kinesiology here at Purdue University. So thank you, Adam, and welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we definitely appreciate your time. And uh, we're out of that time of year. We talk about resolutions. We talk about making a change for the better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like uh, it's, well, I, I guess first, it's because pretty much everyone is giving us advice on what we should do right now. And sure. uh, sometimes that advice isn't necessarily the best. And so tell us, just give us some, uh, what are your, um, I know you're, you have certifications, I know your strength conditioning. So tell us some of your background so that we know that, so people realize that it's we, we found an expert that we're talking to. <laughs> I'm not just Joe Schmo right off the street. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, so I'm a, uh, um, a registered dietitian, licensed and registered dietitian. I also have an advanced credential um, in, as a board certified specialist in sports um, dietetics. I'm also a licensed and certified athletic trainer and a certified strength and conditioning coach. So uh, over the last 20 years, I spent most of my um, uh, most of my time as a clinician, um, worked uh, as a personal trainer, um, strength and conditioning coach with athletes um, at the pro level, collegiate level, high school level. Um, so, yeah, just kind of run the gamut on that. Um, so I guess that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> definitely qualified. You're, I'd say you're definitely an expert. <laughs> so you have the experience there that we yeah. know. And, sure. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I completely understand with this, uh, this time of year and, and, and the interest in this having, um, when I first started out, I managed a gym for a couple of years. So I know exactly what December and January is like, and hopefully we can get some good information out there that'll keep January looking this or February looking the same in the gyms as January does. Right. Yeah. So we want to keep people in that's the that's the goal right it doesn't matter if we're going to start something it matters if we're going to continue doing it right that's the most important thing well and, well how do we start something i mean it's your your advice let's say that uh i'm looking at the the, the new year and i'm thinking, okay this i definitely need to get a few changes here you know it's but i don't know where to start i don't know what to do and so what advice do you have for people and and uh, like I said, you have the science to back up sure. what you're saying. So what is the, the appropriate way to start this? Okay. <clears throat> First of all, I think the most important thing is um, really determining what your goals are, right? And actually clarifying exactly what those are, because that's a great place to start. Because any changes that you're going to make gonna, should be based on those goals, right? So um, that's going to be the most important thing. And then also being very careful about where you're getting your information. There's a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of fad diets that promise um, results in 30 days, right? And really, um, when we're embarking on this journey, if we're going to go ahead and um, you know embark on a fitness journey and try to improve our health, it's not a something that's going to be improved in the next couple of weeks over 30 days right really sustainability is the most important thing so so if you're considering any of these um popular 
diets that are out there or um, dietary patterns. Um, the big thing is looking at it and going, okay, is this something that I can consistently do permanently, right? So that's the problem with diets is they're always short term, right? So I'm going to do this, I'm going to drop the weight and then what? There's no plan after that, right? So then they go back to their original weight or original lifestyle and the weight comes right back on, oftentimes even more, right? Because especially if it's going to be like a crash diet or um, a, you know, a diet that's going to be um, extremely limiting, yeah, we're going to see some quick weight loss at first, right? But a lot of that weight loss isn't really going to be where we want it to come from. It's not going to be coming from just body fat. We're also going to be losing um, lean body mass or muscle mass as well. So and with that, our metabolism is going to go down. So if we lose the weight and then our metabolism drops and we go back to our original lifestyle and put that weight back on, but now we have a slower metabolism. So we're probably going to be putting on even more weight than we had to start with, right? So that's, that's the approach we want to avoid with that. So I think that's most important to get that out there first. Um, there's some really good tools to be used, like um, um, the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, um, or uh, MyPlate, um, myplate.gov is a website that um, has some really good evidence-based information that's really simple to understand, right? It's not overly complicated, right? We don't really want to get into too much into the weeds as far as, you know, how much protein do I need? How many carbohydrates do I need? How much fat, right? Because we don't eat that. We don't eat fats and we don't eat carbohydrates and we don't eat protein, we eat food. Right. So let's keep it simpler. Right. And let's talk about food. Right. And so I think that the my plate is a really great place to start. Really just some guidelines to looking at what you're currently doing and what maybe you could do to make some improvements that you could stick with individually. Right. And you could stick with and What changes you can make that you can make last over the long term. What ultimately is going to happen is it may take a little bit longer to see results, but those results will be permanent then at that point, right? There'll be results that we can actually retain. So would you say that pretty much anything that says within 30 days, just avoid altogether? I would, yeah, that'd be a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> if it says you're going to receive your results in 30 days, that would be a red flag. Mm -hmm. People are going to be bombarded with this stuff. It's yeah. now's the time you start seeing it and it's just going to be all over it because they're trying to, I mean, hook people in real fast and get their money. And, exactly. Uh, Something you said, uh, I, I would, I would kind of like explained a little bit. Is sure. you mentioned that uh, when you lose your uh, lean body mass, when you start losing uh -huh. muscle, if I'd go like a crash diet, now I could drop some weight, yeah. but I'm definitely going to lose my muscle. You said it impacts your um, metabolism. Metabolism. How does it impact a person's metabolism? The amount of muscle they have. Well, muscle is uh, more metabolically active than fat. Right. So it's going to require energy even at rest. So the larger we are, let's say we start out at 200 pounds. Right. And then maybe we go on a crash diet and we're down to 180 pounds. Maybe 10 pounds of that is lost as fat mass. 10 pounds of that is lost as um, muscle mass. Right. So what's going to ultimately happen when we lose that that weight, especially muscle mass, it's going to slow down the amount of energy that we're expending at rest. Right. So we're going to expend a certain amount of calories, um, a certain amount of energy while we're exercising, even if we exercise for 45 minutes or an hour, like a longer session. We're only going to be expending more energy during that time. Right. Maybe three, four or five hundred calories, depending on how intense the activity is. 
But what about the rest of the 23 hours of the day, right? That's where the majority of our energy expenditure is going to come from. And it is based on body size. The larger we are, the more energy we're going to expend. And it's also based on muscle mass. So if ultimately we lose, say, that 20 pounds and half of it was muscle mass, and then we put that 20 pounds back on quickly in two weeks, right? Um, because it only took us three weeks to drop it because it was a crash diet. We go back to our original lifestyle. We put back that 20 pounds only. We still were down 10 pounds of lean mass, right? With muscle mass. We're down lower muscle mass than we were before. Even if we go up to our original weight or perhaps even higher, it'll creep up higher because we're not expending those, that energy throughout the day right that's the biggest chunk of energy expenditure it's not coming from the exercise itself it's coming from our um, basically our resting metabolism throughout the day and, and that's our basal metabolic rate very similar yeah uh-huh. basal metabolic rate resting metabolic rate both very very similar okay okay i think that's a good thing to point out too if if someone's interested in fitness but maybe doesn't know where to start or or you know, nutritional goals is that you are burning calories. Yeah. You're not actively exercising. You're burning some. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We burn that energy, whether we're, we're, we get out of bed or not, right. Just mm -hmm. to be able to just breathing, just to keep our heart beating, just keep the blood flowing, right. That energy is going to be expended regardless. So, and that's going to be the majority of the energy that we actually expend. It's not the, the energy expended during exercise, right. So that's, yeah. that's only going to be one small part of it. And so how does a person go about, let's say I want, let's say I want to lose my 20 pounds. How, uh -huh. how do I go about losing that 20 pounds, but not sacrificing my muscle, but okay. just dropping my percent body fat? Sure. One thing, is that possible? Oh, it is possible, but we have to give the body a reason to hang on to that, that muscle mass, right? If we go on a crash diet where we're taking in very little energy, we have to basically break down body tissues to, um, to provide that energy that we're not getting from our food, right? And if we don't have a reason to hang on to, to muscle mass, if we're not um, uh, participating in resistance training, um, then there's really no reason for the body to hang on to it, right? It doesn't really need it to survive. If we're not exercising, it becomes free game. Let's go ahead and break down this muscle and turn it into energy that we need because we're not getting it from our food. Now, if we are... Um, uh, maybe being a little bit more conservative with um, the energy reduction that we're doing. So not going on a crash diet, but um, really being mindful about how we're eating and trying to match uh, hunger cues and that kind of thing. Um, and just kind of going on a very limited um, energy deficit, right? Nothing extreme to where we're going to feel hungry, but limited energy deficit. And then the second prong is, is adding in that resistance training. Now we're providing a stimulus to the body that says, okay, I, I need to hang on to the muscle. Otherwise, I'm going to get hurt. If I keep doing this resistance training and I break down muscle for energy, I'm going to get hurt. So I've got to break down other tissues instead of muscle, meaning it's going to favorably break down fat tissue. Okay. All right. So resistance training is going to be the key with that, yeah, to hanging on to the lean mass and not going on a crash diet. And so, I, but I know she didn't mention cardio. I know a lot of times with what we'll do is we'll go on a diet and, uh -huh. and throw in a bunch of treadmill running or uh, sure. exercise bike, or we're going to throw in a bunch of that and just go on a diet and we forget the resistance training, mm -hmm. but uh, that's not going to help my muscles at that point, is it? Well, not really, because um, the activity needs to be very specific to what we're trying to accomplish, right? So if we're doing a lot of... Um, continuous movement, like 
aerobic cardiovascular type of activity. It's fantastic. It's amazing exercise. We need that to keep our lungs and our heart healthy, right? So it's very important and it helps ward off chronic diseases like type two diabetes and heart disease and stroke and certain types of cancer, right? It's very important. So we got to have that in there as well. Um, but if we are trying to increase muscle mass or at least maintain muscle mass while we're trying to lose weight, or if our goal is to increase muscle mass, right? Then the resistance training has to be there because that's going to be the component that's specific to that goal. So if I'm brand new to, to resistance training, let's say I've not received instruction, I don't know, but I'm, I'm hearing these different things. I'm hearing... Um, I, in fact, I just read an article the other day about if you want to lose weight, um, start weightlifting. And I, mm -hmm. uh, I thought, well, that's really interesting. And I'm hearing a similar thing from you, like you need that resistance training. Where do I, where, where do I begin? There's going to be some great resources out there. First of all, um, be wary about what you find online. Be wary about social media. We want to make sure that where we're getting our information from is from credible sources. Right? So um, finding a fitness professional that has credible sources, one that is and has at least um, uh, a four-year college degree and that has a recognized uh, fitness credential is going to be a great place to start. And from there, um, just... The great thing about a fitness professional is they can help to uh, customize um, a, um, an individualized exercise program, right? Because there is no one size fits all exercise program for everybody. So if we go online and we find something, we download it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for us. If it's not a good fit, and this is, again goes back to like the crash dieting too, it's not sustainable. If it's not a good fit, you're going to do it for two or three weeks. And then February 1st rolls around, you'll be one of those people that's still paying for your gym membership, but you're not utilizing it, right? Because it wasn't anything that, that fit with you, whether it fit with your, your, um, your available schedule, it fit with your current fitness levels, right? And, and it was something that was exciting and you enjoyed doing. All, all those things have to be there in order for it to be sustainable. Well, and like you mentioned at the very beginning too, if it's not lining up with, if you've not given thought to your goals and that's be not lining up with what you initially want, or if you don't take the time to think about what your goals might be. Yeah, exactly. And if, that's another thing that a fitness professional can help out with too, because oftentimes maybe we don't really know what our goals are. We don't fully understand them. Right. So, and a fitness professional can help decipher uh, what it is that you're saying, this is what I want to accomplish. And then being able to translate that over to, okay, well, then that means we need to include these types of exercises performed in this manner, you know, in a way that fits with your, um, your lifestyle and your availability. It, it can be hard reaching out and because sometimes oh, I'm paying for a pin, gym membership. I, I'm paying for that. I'm putting money out already. I'm not going to pay extra for it to meet somebody, but I, I, I love that. It's one of the first things you're suggesting because it's not one size fits all. It, 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 you do need, we need someone that really knows what they're doing, not somebody in what I found uh, as someone who's in and out of gyms myself is oftentimes people just because they, uh, they appear to be in really good shape. Doesn't mean their advice is really good at all because it, it might've worked enough for them. And it's, they did just enough right things, but they might not realize what they did, or they're just going to tell you something they do and think, I didn't work for me. It should work for everybody. And maybe they were just smart enough to pick the right parents. You know, I mean, that, that genetics has a lot to do with it. So yeah, I mean, especially the way somebody's going to look, nobody's going to, you put two people on the same type of an exercise program and, you know, uh, two months later, you're going to have different results. Even if everything was exactly the same, they're going to have different results. And a lot of it's based on 
their genetic makeup, you know, and how they're going to respond to different types of exercises. So, so yeah, that, that definitely shouldn't be the main thing to look for in um, uh, uh, finding a fitness professional. So really the big thing, like I said, make sure that they're credentialed, make sure that they, they have the education. Um, you can even look for um, uh, testimonials from, um, from any of their past um, clientele, which is great. And you, most um, fitness professionals too will at least spend one free session with you to determine, okay, is this going to be a good fit? Because it has to be something that you were able to, you know, collaborate with somebody with and have a good rapport and a good discussion with, because otherwise, you know, if, if that piece isn't there, then it's not going to be motivating for you either. So and, uh, that's where I would recommend starting at and trying to avoid, avoid a lot of the pitfalls of uh, finding a, a, a program online or that, um, you know, so-and-so at the gym that, you know, it looks like what I want to look like. I'm going to ask what they do and then follow that. Right. So avoiding those pitfalls will really save a lot of headaches in the long run. I like that. And, it, and being a, when you, when you talk about a reptile and a good uh, fitness professional, actual professional, I would say their goal is not to keep you as a paid customer forever. Their goal is to get you where you're in a place where you can be healthy. You understand how to be healthy because then you're going to give good testimony for them and they're going to get more clients. That is exactly it. Yep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that they, Oh, if I go to one, they just want me to, they're just going to take my money all the time. Well, if you go to a bad one, maybe they will. That's why you want to look for somebody that actually knows what they're doing. That's, that's very true. It's very true. So, and it can be a lot more affordable than you think too, you know, especially if it, you know, you buy uh, the more um, sessions that you purchase, it's usually going to um, come with a price break. So if you get a, a six session package or a 12 session package, that usually is going to be enough to really get somebody to understand, you know, a proper exercise technique and how to perform them and, and also to teach them, okay, how you can progress this um, program yourself, you know, and then, then after those sessions, then you're on your way. And then maybe every so often too, once or twice a year, you know, you pick up another two or three sessions to say, okay, here's where I'm at. What can I pick up on? Right. Something like that. I love that advice. I feel like that's an excellent way then to work in accountability throughout the year. So if you've set yourself up, you start off, you learn kind of some of these techniques, and then I know I'm going to keep with this. I want to keep with this, but I know I'll have someone else checking in with me and looking at my progress along the way. I think that's, that's great. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That accountability factor is huge, huge. So that's a, that leads to another thing too. I mean, um, finding somebody um, that uh, wants to work out with you and has the same passion that, hey, they want to make a healthy change. You know, maybe we could do this together. There's um, uh, many times uh, fitness professionals will offer discounts for small group training. Right? If you got two or three people that want to do this together, you know, it's not going to be quite as individualized, but it will still be kind of semi uh, personal experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's better more. than not trying at all. I think some individual, if, if you're concerned about going on your own and you think mm-hmm. it to go with a friend, you know, getting some is better than not yeah. making this. Definitely. Mm-hmm. What, I, I, I have a question about, um, okay, so what if I'm listening and I'm thinking, well, I don't think that's right for me. I don't think I want to commit that much, but mm-hmm. maybe I'll just take a look at my BMI. I feel like we, we hear this this term BMI and there's a healthy range and well my BMI says this and so that's I don't need to, to talk to a fitness professional I I just I'm going to shoot for this BMI 
So is that is that a fair place to start or, or what do I need to know about that? Well, let's first um, discuss what BMI is, right? BMI is a great tool for looking at large populations, right? If you're gonna look at um, 10,000 people and um, within those 10,000 people, if we define what all their BMIs are, we're gonna have a pretty good idea with that large group that those that are gonna be 25 and to 29.9 are gonna be overweight. Those are gonna be 30 and up are gonna be obese, right? But when it comes down to the individual, the BMI doesn't really mean a whole lot because really it's just height and weight. It doesn't account for, um, doesn't account for a body composition, which is gonna be the big thing, right? So your body composition is gonna be um, even more descriptive about really our, really our, um, our health and uh, give us more information as where we wanna go with our, uh, our fitness programming. And, going to help us um, um, determine goals as well. So body composition comes down to really two different compartments, right? Um, we break down the body into either fat mass or muscle mass, and that, that's really it. So if we do a body composition test, it's going to give us a baseline measurement to tell us, okay, maybe, maybe our BMI says that we're overweight, but in fact, you know, maybe we've been exercising, and so we have a little bit more muscle mass. So maybe that, oh, that extra weight is attributed to muscle mass. Right? So it doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, but BMI might tell us, okay, you're overweight. So body composition is much more descriptive. And a fitness professional can certainly help out with that. So a body composition test, you said, uh -huh. uh, what, what's that involve? Okay, so body composition test can be anything from um, uh, bioelectrical impedance analysis, which is, you might have seen these like little scales or whatever that have like the little electrodes on it, right? Or you hold the thing out here like this, and it sends this low level electrical current through your body, and it's measuring um, the resistance to that current. It's not a current that you're going to feel or anything like that. There's a lot of I don't really like this method because it um, there's a lot of inconsistencies with it. The method that I prefer to use and I've been using for over 20 years is a skinfold caliper method. Okay. So we basically take um, anywhere from three to nine different sites on the body and grab a skinfold and measure the thickness of that. Right. And then we can put it into um, a calculation that's going to give us an estimation of um, body composition. So and in, 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 the, in, the, in the proper hands, somebody who's skilled, this is actually a very reliable method. And where, do, where would I go to get one of these done? Uh, pretty much any fitness professional that is um, uh, credentialed should be able to do that for you. Okay. Um, there's other methods as well that are usually reserved for athletes like uh, um, uh, dual energy x-ray absorbitometry or a DEXA scan, right? Um, it's gonna be a little bit more accurate they also, you know, for, for, for the general individual, it's probably going to cost about 1200 bucks for that. So a little, little out of reach, right? Yeah. The skin full analysis, yeah, skin full analysis should become, should be a part of any sort of a, a fitness assessment. And most, um, most, most gyms that have uh, um, any uh, fitness professionals that you might be considering interviewing for that you're going to hire, right? They should give you those free, um, that free session which would involve a fitness assessment, usually helping you define your goals. And they take you through a battery of tests that tells you, okay, well, you're low on your cardiorespiratory fitness, but you're good on your lower body muscular strength. Basically it tells you where your strengths and your weaknesses are so that they can help to individualize that program to help bring up those weaknesses. And it should also involve a body composition test as well. Uh, excellent, excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that uh, 
I like the way you described a BMI is really good for using for large groups, uh, mm -hmm. a lot high number of people yeah. and not an individual assessment. I mean, especially uh, you got muscle. It's uh, according to my BMI, I am obese sure. at 16% body fat. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like, we're not going to play that one. Sure, exactly. Yeah. B BMI is not good for athletes. It's, it's frustrating. Yeah. So I, uh, I kind of steer clear of anyone who uses BMI as an individual thing. Yeah. 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 yeah good plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what is a, I guess if, if we could make one dietary change, um, thinking of wanting to be maybe, maybe be more active, even if it's just something, just one dietary change do, what would you recommend? Can I give you two? Open-ended because it's dependent on the person. So I feel like that's, that's a tough one. Okay. So, so my, my two, I have to give you two because I can't separate okay. the two out. Right. Number okay. one is going to be what your mom told you growing up, eat your fruits and vegetables, right? Those are where our nutrient density comes from. That's where all of the, all of the, nutrients and uh, phytochemicals and all these things are going to help us unlock the energy out of our food so that we can put that energy into our resistance training program and get better results, right? And not only that, it helps protect against cancer and all sorts of um, heart disease, all sorts of different chronic illnesses, right? So that that's number one, right? And, and, and I wouldn't be a good dietitian if I didn't tell you to, to, to eat your fruits and vegetables, right? So that's got to be number one. The second thing um, when we're looking at um, uh, body recomposition or changing, whether we want to increase muscle mass or decrease body fat, I find is that looking at your liquid calories, okay? Because liquid calories do, we get energy in for, through our liquid calories, but they don't fill us up. They don't make us feel full. They don't really do a whole lot for us other than add extra calories that's going to make it more difficult for us to achieve our goals, right? So things like uh, you look at, if, if you know, you wake up in the morning, you've got a um, a, a Starbucks habit with the, you know, the, the, the lattes or whatever. Right. And then, and maybe we go through two or three different, uh, sugar pops through the day. Right. Maybe we have, uh, uh, a few alcoholic drinks or whatever, right. Maybe some smoothies, whatever it is, those liquid calories can really add up to a lot and make it really difficult to achieve our goals. So that's one place that I really like to start is go ahead and just do a self-evaluation. How many liquid calories are you getting in? And is it do you think, and for some people, maybe they can't, and, and there's nothing wrong with it. If you've got that, that Starbucks habit that you're just like, I've, I've got to keep this in, then find a way to keep it in, right? There, there's nothing wrong with it. There's no bad foods. Basically what I'm trying to say is that, you know, evaluate those calories that you're taking in that might be, you know, coming in the liquid form and seeing what you might be able to trim out of there first. Usually if you can trim some of those out, you won't feel like you made any change as far as like hunger levels or, or, or feeling deprived or anything. And um, you start seeing a lot of, um, a lot of results because of that. Very simple change. That is, I think that is a very simple change. And I love that you're saying, you know, if I have to have whatever X, whatever it is, if it's your Starbucks habit, if it's, you know, whatever, that's fine. Find a way to work it in. There's no, I love that advice because I think ultimately, I think that's, what's going to help you stick with something. If you know that you can have anything, yeah. I, you know, I just have to, I guess, budget what it is I want to that's a, that's a great, it's a great word to use. Yeah. Budget it in <laughs> just, you know, yeah. If that's something that you like that, that you enjoy, I, I um, delivered pizzas all through college 
So, and I got to have my, my pizza fix every so often. So, you know, I mean, it's just something I'm not going to give up. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, why should we, right? Why? I mean, Absolutely. we eat for multiple reasons. We don't eat just to fuel us. We eat for, you know, social reasons. We eat because it makes us feel better. We eat when we get together with family. There's just, so I don't like the idea of stigmatizing any food saying that that food's bad. You know, if you like it, if you like it, eat it, find a way to get it in there, right? Just focus on those fruits and veggies. I love that. <laughs> you, know, you, you said fruits and veggies, which uh -huh. it's so... Seems like fruit's got kind of a bad rap because the, there's so much sugar in fruit. I can't shouldn't have much fruit. Is this is this legit? Uh... Well, not necessarily too, because especially if we're eating the whole fruit, fruit juice basically is like concentrated fructose, concentrated um, fruit sugar, right? But if we're eating the whole fruit, we're actually getting in um, uh, fiber in there as well, which helps slow down the absorption of that. Right. So it's, you're not going to get those big spikes, it, it, big spikes as far as your blood glucose going up, that kind of thing. So it'll help slow that um, the absorption of it. So, yeah, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, um, uh, fruits. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah. And I'm glad you brought it. It's the fruit juice is what's really concentrated. And mm -hmm. yeah, they tend to even have added sugar in those sometimes, too. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Uh huh. So it's, it's I don't know why you would make it even sweeter than it is <laughs> well cranberry juice you kind of have to cranberry juice without sugar and it's pretty awful so <laughs> <laughs> this is true <laughs> that straight up is a bit dry <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is excellent i i love this advice this is i i, I like this going into the right. we talk about finding a fitness professional and things like this mm -hmm. Uh, let's say I, I've, ne I've not been to a gym before and okay. I don't, I mean, I don't go to gym and I, the people that do, I, I mean, they know what they're doing. That's really intimidating. I, I mean, I, I don't want to go lift weights and stuff and these people are very intimidating. And if the treadmills, it's like, yeah, this, you know, really scrawny people can run. Okay, fine. I don't want to be there pounding next to them, sweating. And it's, I'm a little uh, self-conscious. And so going to, I'm going to be a little nervous about that. And so how do I either overcome that or how do I find a health professional, someone to coach me along if I'm not in that world? Sure. Yeah. There's um, so there's so many different fitness facilities that are out there that if, if um, you've never been to one before, just try them out. Usually they'll offer a free pass, free week pass, something like that. And if you get the, the vibe that you're not comfortable in there, there's always another facility, right? There, there's, there's niche facilities in there for everybody. So, so you don't necessarily have to be in there working out next to in, in a gym that's got the heavy metal music blasting and chalk flying through the air and people grunting and screaming. That's not really inviting for a whole lot of people, right? So, but there's most of the time there's going to be another option that maybe you do feel more comfortable with. And um, when you do sign up for a gym membership, usually they should introduce you to, uh, oftentimes they'll have fitness professionals that'll be working um, on the floor, right? And they'll bring um, any new uh, uh, potential um, new person to the gym, should be introduced to them by uh, the membership services. So they should introduce you to at least one person. Um, I know the gyms that I've worked at before um, have usually had a, uh, a wall that had um, 
uh, pictures of um, the fitness professionals on the wall, uh, had all their credentials on there, usually had some testimonials on there as well. And um, a, a lot of them will also have um, certain niches that they like to work with, right? So you kind of read through some of those or, you know, see if it's a good fit that, in that manner as well. Oh, that's cool. They usually should be in the movies. What's that? Oh, that just happened in the movies. I didn't know it really happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely you know, does. Now that you mentioned that, I I just I was up, I was visiting some family and um and I had visited one of these gyms that my family um frequents, and mm -hmm. I remember this now. I I they did have a wall with that. They had these pictures. Completely forgot about that until you started describing that, but. That, that was nice to see, you know, like you were saying, what they're kind of like, I like working with. Yeah. Um, they all had a different thing that they liked. And I thought, well, that's really nice that you can kind of see them before they might see you. And, and exactly. It, yeah. And, you know, personalities have to match, too. If you're not somebody who's motivated by the drill instructor type, you know, they're not all that way. So, you know, there's, there's different types of personalities. So it's, it's really is finding a match and it may not happen right away. You know, but that, that's why those those free sessions are almost always offered. That's awesome. I just, like I said, I thought that stuff just happened in movies. I didn't know it was real. <laughs> <laughs> yep, definitely is. Learned something. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit it too, but I learned something. That's great. But it's it's intimidating. It's intimidating, and it's it, I'm in halfway decent shape myself. I think. But it's I oh a lot of anxiety about going into a big gym type place. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, because I wouldn't know what to do. Wouldn't know the rules. I wouldn't know anybody. Yeah. It's oh yeah, a lot of anxiety. Sure. Another thing to remember too is that everyone that was in there was has always been in your shoes at some point. Yeah. Right. Everybody that's um in the gym that looks like they know what they're doing and they're running the place, they walked into the gym for the first time one day too. You know, there was a point. So. That's, that's really good to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. You work with um, like professional athletes and stuff though? Uh, in the past. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that, I mean, I assume that's very, is that very different than like average Joe? Um, not really. Um, well, it depends. Uh, when you're working, when you're working as a strength and conditioning coach um, with the team, um, the kind of nice thing is, is that you have a captive audience. Right. They can't. Um, so it's not really about making a sale. Right. And trying yeah. to um, increase your clientele. You've got them there. Right. And they, they're they've got to do what, what you want them to do, whether they like it or not, even though you've got their best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Where whereas you might have some clients. I know I had I, I'll never forget one client that I had that uh, bought 12 sessions from me and um, he was just back from Afghanistan. And so I assumed that he was you know, maybe this is wrong of me to make an assumption as far as um, his current fitness level, but about 20 minutes into the workout, he said, I've got to go out to the car. He went out to the car and another member came in and says, your client's out there throwing up. Oh. By the time I went outside, <laughs> by the time I went outside um, to check on him, he was gone and I'd never heard from him again. So <laughs> well. yeah, mistakes were made. <laughs> Well, it's part of your learning process too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago when I was when I was very green. So, <laughs> one of the podcasts I listen to, I hear about some of those sometimes, and it's uh, it, it's kind of entertaining because it didn't happen to me. Uh, 
But what you're saying is that you have to find the right fit. That it's the yeah. podcast I listen to is with the training professionals. That's what uh-huh. they're saying. They, they constantly drive that in. You yeah. have to find the right fit. And it's it, most of them aren't some kind of drill sergeant that's going to make yeah. you do things. And they're yeah. there to help you on your journey to becoming a better you. That's exactly it. Yep. Exactly. Big thing in our, our group here at, at work that we like to say, uh, I think, Sarah, I don't know if it's Cameron, you or Bill first, but be kind to your future self. Yes. Yeah, that's great. That's a great saying. Yeah. So we have to remind each other of that, which is yeah. falls back to where you talked about accountability. I mean, sometimes doing something with someone isn't necessarily, they're not necessarily holding your, you accountable, but you're holding yourself accountable because you're doing it with them. Yep. It is. I don't know how many times that I've planned on working out with people and I thought, man, I don't really feel like it. But, oh, wait, <laughs> they're going to be there. Okay, I got it. Okay, I go. And afterwards, all of a sudden, I feel like a million dollars. But yeah, I did this. This felt great. I'm so glad I did this. I would not have if, if someone wasn't planning on meeting me there. Yeah. That's that, that's a great point that you just that you just mentioned there too. And going back to um, that the sort of gym intimidation, right? Being um, intimidated going into the gym. Um, a great another great place to start would be group fitness classes, right? Because fitness classes by going to those will often have you know same classes three times a week or something like that. After a short amount of time, you start to get to know people. It becomes social, and then there's that accountability factor there too. So, you know, if, you, if suddenly you're not there, people are going to question, "Why weren't they there?" They might call you, "But everything okay? Why aren't you there?" Then you kind of realize, "Wait, wait a second, I was expected to be there." Yeah, so people, people are counting on me, so I'm going to be back back there the next time. So it's a great way to do it too. Great way to build that accountability. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. I just think we need that to, to make a change in our life. It's it's hard to do things by yourself, and so some sort of support whether it's a group, like you said, or a partner or, or a trainer, starting right off with a trainer, which I think would be the best advice uh, because it's why not get your information. That's why we do science from experts. I mean, why not get your information from an expert that's going to help you to do it the most, as safely as possible? Because making a change sometimes can be, it can be dangerous at, at, at to a point. You can really hurt yourself as someone who's not a herniated disc because he thought he was way too macho and lifting uh, deadlifts. But um, without having the right form, that's that's the that's the key thing too. You know, is remembering that exercise, no matter what, exercise should never cause an injury, right? It, it, it what it should do at best, if it's programmed correctly, it should prevent injuries, mm-hmm. right? Or at least help prevent prevent injuries. It should help us move better, right? We we so different movements that we do throughout the day, and this is the way I do a lot of my programming is based around human movements rather than exercises. So uh, no matter who it is, whether I'm training um, an 80 year old or if I'm training a 12 year old, they're going to squat, they're gonna hinge, they're gonna push, they're gonna pull, they're gonna lunge, they're gonna carry, we're gonna twist and we're gonna do some sort of a stabilization exercise, an anti-rotation exercise. So all those have to be there for a complete uh, program for for me, for the way that I program. It helps somebody become a better human being. Yes. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. All right. What about this? I'm new. I now I've, I've listened to this. Okay. I'm in, I'm going to start this. I go, I haven't exercised in a while. I exercise and I wake up the next day and I can't get out of bed because I yep. hurt. So exercise hurt me and it's not supposed to hurt me. <laughs> Is it normal? What's normal? And what's, what should I expect when I start this? 
Sure, that's true. It's called delayed onset muscle soreness or DOMS, we call it in the business, right? So, and it's going to happen. So just recognize it's going to happen. That's why we want to scale it too, right? Because we want to make sure that the exercise level is appropriate. So it's not so bad that you have to grab the top of your car and pull yourself up because your legs are not going to work. You're not going to get out any other way, right? That's excessive, right? We don't want to see that happen. It's going to be there a little bit, but ultimately the best way to get rid of DOMS is to be consistent with working out, right? Where we're exercising for a few weeks, that's those same exercises that we're doing, even if we're progressing them, they're not going to lead to the same level of um, excessive soreness the next day, or even the day after that, or if you really did it the day after that, right? You know, so um, it, the consistency is going to be the big thing. Very good. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to happen if you haven't in a while. And I know mm -hmm. my wife and I decided to, try a crossfit class sure. i've i mean other than squatting down to pick something up i don't think i've ever done a squat in my life and of course mm -hmm. we jump in and myself being a competitive individual we'll just say and, you know, we over 100 squats in that 20 30 minutes you know we're, i'm keeping up with everybody else and yeah it's been a week trying to figure out how to sit on a toilet because I <laughs> yeah yep. yep. so uh, <laughs> uh, starting off a little more reserved would be a bet better choice in hindsight Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, again, where the fitness professional is going to come in. They're going to be able to assess where your current level is at and what is acceptable for you so that you're not experiencing those extreme levels of soreness, because that will chase people away, too. Yeah. Right. If, if it's affecting your day to day afterward and and if you're not aware that it's going to go away or that maybe the level of exercise is excessive and it just keeps compounding. So you're constantly sore, constantly aching all the time. No wonder why you're going to quit. Right. Mm -hmm. I, that just reminds me, my daughter um, has been, we do some exercises together about once a week. And so I started working with her on lunges and uh, she, uh, she, then she went to a, she does cross country conditioning wow. and then they had them start doing some lunges and she had been doing these for a few weeks with me and knew, well, actually she had even stopped feeling the soreness. She was kind of getting used to doing these, but her friends, well, she was doing them and her friends looked at her and said, how are you doing this? And she said, well, I do this every week with my mom. But she said the next day they went, they were all really sore and they went to the trainer. And my daughter said, I'm so glad I knew that or else I would have thought there was something really wrong. Sure. Yeah. 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 She was trying to tell them it's, this is normal. It, it'll pass. It'll, you'll get over it. And they thought they'd really injured their legs. And I thought that's. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's very common. Well, Adam, we thank you so much. This is just fantastic. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up. Hammer down.